0: Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a
2: show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands.
1: Rachel, one thing I've observed is that most of our guests that we've had so far lead e-commerce globally, but are headquartered in the U.S. You
2: know, other than Stu from Pernod Ricard, I think you're right. I'm just starting our international expansion at MiCMAC, but Profitero, you've been global for a while. What do you see as the difference when headquartered outside of the U.S.?
1: Well, part of it is about the headquartered country, and part of it is whether you're Eurocentric, apac centric or something else. When you're based in Europe, it's extra challenging. Unlike the US, where the market is ginormous, and that is a technical term, the European market has lots of complexities, not just currency and retailers, but e commerce maturity. Whereas some markets like France and the UK are quite mature from an e commerce perspective, having mastered the click and collect model many moons ago, some are just starting to hit their stride where more groceries are just starting to be ordered online. Yeah, I remember
2: when Tesco started doing that. It was revolutionary to all of us in the US, but it was the norm in certain markets, including Asia. Korea and China have been lapping us for years in those advancements, all the more challenging for global heads of e-commerce who are dealing with trying to figure out standards across the globe, yet being mindful of the nuances in each market, their e-commerce adoption rates, and their team's knowledge in these markets too.
1: And then when you add on the complexity of selling products that range from shelf-stable and can be kind of heavy, like bottled water, to perishable products like yogurt, the stakes change radically. And that's one of the many reasons we're happy to welcome Camille Lavenant, head of e-business performance at Zenome Globally, to join us today. Camille, it is wonderful to have you today. You are one of our first international stars joining us today from Paris. Thank you so much for joining. We would love to just dive in and and learn more about what the day in the life is for camille Camille, Help us understand what you do
3: of course. Thanks a lot. First of all, thanks, Rachel and Sarah, for inviting me. I think it's quite exciting to talk about e-commerce today. Um, Yes, and of course, more than happy to talk about a a day in my life that is quite um, busy and uh, but exciting at the same time right now. And thanks to this year, I would say it has uh, even accelerated. It's really a mixed day, that I would say. My objective is really to make sure that in Danone, Everyone is really clear on what to do to accelerate growth online, as my title is saying it. So it's really from designing a solution, in fact. So really from the start to discussing about how we implement it. So it means that I have to deal with a lot of different stakeholders. Either it will be the top management or the countries themselves. So that's why it's quite exciting, I would say. And it means building the KPIs that we want to track in Danone as an overall Making sure that we have the right tools, finding the right partners. Of course, it's really key, and we have more and more partners right now in the area. Making the analysis, sharing the results of online, so you can see how diverse and how exciting it can be.
2: On the topic of countries, since you're a global lead, you work across so many different markets that probably have different levels of maturity. How do you approach e on a country-by-country basis based on where they are in their journey.
3: Yeah, in fact, that's a, that's a really relevant topic and really uh, important discussion that we are having. If you take in Danon, we have more than 60 categories multiplied by countries. So um, adapting, of course, to each of them is critical. And you're absolutely right. We don't have the same level of maturity. Again, it's a mix between making sure that we are clear on the guidelines and where we want to bring them on in the future with clear guidelines, but also making sure that we adapt to every single country because one size doesn't fit all. We need to be really clear on that. I think that's a great opportunity. That's the critical key success factor, I would say, if we want to make sure that we succeed in every country. Well, what's a CBU? I mean, I know, but I don't know (laughs) if
1: our listeners know.
3: CBU, it's a, yeah, (laughs) it's a country business unit. So it's a country.
1: That's super helpful. I think one of the challenges that happens for somebody in a position like yours is being able to get buy-in at all levels. And, you know, maybe a year ago, that was harder because it was pre-COVID. I think when we first met back in February, you know, we were talking about e-commerce reaching a certain height. And then like two months later, the expectations change a lot. How do you gain buy-in at different levels, whether that's buy-in for investment in personnel or education, learning and
3: development? Yeah, I think it's really relevant. I would use two words, in fact, to describe that. The first one would be agility and the second one would be active listening. You are absolutely right. The situation has changed versus last year and we can't say that where we are today is exactly the same position as uh, six, nine months ago. And if we want to succeed, we need to be agile, but we need to be agile in the timing. We need to be agile with the stakeholders. We need to be agile with the expertise that everyone is having as well. So it's really important, but we won't succeed if we just arrive with our own uh, objective in mind saying, okay, this is e-business, this is e-commerce, this is what I want them to, to, to live with. Because, in fact, we need to understand what is, in fact, their knowledge, what is their current expertise. And I think this is the the success. And again, to come back to Rachel's question, it's exactly the same. If we don't listen to where everyone is in their journey, it will be really complex and hard to succeed in e-commerce. So listening to understand, okay, where are we in Danone? Where yourself you are? What do I need to bring you? This is how we will inspire about e-commerce growth.
2: While maturity levels might differ based on role, based on country, the constant in your business is no matter what market you're in, you're selling dairy or you're selling self-stable items like water. Since you have this global perspective, how are you approaching e-com when you're selling perishables versus when you're not selling them? Does it differ in France versus the US? Would love to get into the weeds with you.
3: The biggest difference will be always uh, if you are selling perishables, as you are calling them, versus, of course, electronics and all this kind. Because, of course, what the consumer, what the shopper is expecting is completely different. Then what will differ uh, between countries, between the US, between Europe, between Asia, it's more the technicalities available in the country. So that's why it's making it different. But when we are selling perishables, we just need, again, to be really clear on what is the shopper expecting. If we come back constantly to the shopper behavior, what he's expecting, whether in fact we are imperishable or not, this is how we can succeed. We need to understand what is the shopper looking at. And it's exactly like the agility I was talking before. If you are agile with our stakeholders, whether it's internal in Danone or external with our shopper, this is how we will succeed in e-commerce performance.
1: That makes a ton of sense. And active listening is something that I... I'm going to guess harkens back to your time perhaps at Nielsen when you've been in a position similar to what Rachel and I do now where we're consulting with our clients we're asking them questions to help get to better answers we're trying to earn trust and and become partners i think you've got a really interesting story by virtue of the fact that you've seen things from so many different perspectives, whether that's working at Campbell's, at Kimberly Clark, and your time at Nielsen. There are a lot of folks that are listening, especially myself and Rachel, to your uh, next answer, (laughs) which is going to be about what do you wish you knew now about what it takes to be a good partner for companies at your size and scale?
3: I think I've been lucky enough, in fact, to have joined Nielsen after, in fact, I've had some experience with the FMCG. So I, I've been in um, in Unilever, I was in Bell uh, Cheese Group before. So I think I've been lucky because I, I already had the keys, if you want, the one that that you are looking for. And these keys, for me, there is one that is really important, in addition to active listening, of course, that is understanding the business of your uh, client, customer, or whoever it is. Because it means that you will speak the same language when you are on the on the partner side. Of course, you are the expert in, in your data, in whatever your expertise is. But we need to make sure that on the other side, the message is translated the right way. And to translate it, it means that it means something in terms of business world. So as long as the partner is not clear on the business impact of what he's selling, I don't think he can be successful the day he understands truly. Okay, my data, if it's, it's data, let's let's uh, say it's a data. My data is used this way, and this is the value I can deliver to this company. Then this is how it completely changed, I think the landscape, and that you are really becoming a partner instead of a data provider. That's really helpful. What could people on the partner side do to help better
1: learn? the business of, whether that's your business or any of the other businesses that you've been in, if you haven't had necessarily the opportunity to work FMCG side or brand
3: side? I think it's spending a lot of time, in fact, with the the people in the client side in understanding what they are doing. So your first question, you know, what is your day-to-day job? What are you trying to achieve? This needs to be understood so that we are moving from the discussion from, okay, I can deliver you this data. This is how much it costs. It should be, okay, what are you really trying to achieve? What personally you want to do if you have in front of you either the e-commerce performance or it can be a strategy and insight, whoever it will be. They want to buy the data for a reason, not just to have it, but because it will bring something in their story. So this is their story. So I can give you an example. When I was working with Nielsen, I think the proof of success is that at some point I was invited by the new Unilever team In the brainstorming workshop, for example, when they were thinking about developing innovations, because they knew I had the data skills, but because I, I understood their business, I knew how to transform it in ideas. And I think this is really when you understand and you bring the value, because in the end, it's value that we are selling with data. It's not just the data. Camille,
2: Sarah actually recommended The Secret Life of Groceries. And it really gets into the inner workings of how the grocery business works. I'm curious if you have any favorite books over the last five years that really gets you into the headspace of CPG, data, e-com that you could recommend to our listeners.
3: You know what? I don't think I would give you the name of a book as a spontaneous uh, answer. Because a book takes uh, some time <laughs> to read and the time that it's, uh, it's released, I think the world will have changed because right now the, the e-commerce world is moving so fast. Uh, sometimes when you read an article from five days ago, in fact, everyone knows already and you are not bringing any new news. So I think my uh, initial recommendation would be read every day what's happening in the grocery world. You have everyday things happening, and not only on FMCG, I think what is really important is on the retailer side. Because again, us, what we are trying to do in FMCG, we are trying to sell our product to the retailers for the shoppers. So it means that we need to understand these two dimensions. Everyone is, uh, is doing webinars, so if you go into the, again, Kantar, Nielsen website, everyone, the consulting companies are also releasing a lot. We are really richer in terms of information. That's really what I would use. It's more the day-to-day than really a book, you know, giving you theory, because in fact, they are changing and all the theories, I think we have seen it, have moved. Uh, the needle has completely moved in a few months. So this is really the, the recommendation I would give today.
2: I love that. I think it's often overlooked that a huge part of the CPG business is selling into these big box retailers and deeply understanding their business. On a slightly different note, we now want to ask you our favorite question of this podcast, which is, Camille,
3: what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? Um, I think... I wouldn't have one brave thing, you know, like I've jumped out of a big mountain or I think it's um, <laughs> maybe I will one day. Um, bold, bold decision, in fact, in uh, in my career, because I wanted to understand, in fact, the um, different angles from FMCG. So as Sarah was saying, I've moved from the FMCG side. To partner side, I've always enjoyed everything. I've moved into different countries because I've moved to the UK to understand more about the retailers side here, how it was working, a different way of life as well. Moving from different roles between sales being like working in the stores to understand when you have your hands dirty, you know what's happening. From offline to online today, from marketing to sales to project management, to from local to global. So I think it's bold decision when you have people rather comfortable, you know, in their own area expertise. I like to constantly add new one. Mm -hmm. So that's why also I was saying, if you have this passion about understanding about grocery, open your eyes, learn everything that you have to learn. Because a lot is happening and even more this year.
1: I would say that's not only a great answer, but knowing you the way I know you, it really is representative of who you are, both curious and passionate, and just bringing a broader view and context when trying to deconstruct a challenge or identify an opportunity. So that bravery has clearly served you well professionally. We are so happy that you joined us today. Thank you so much, Camille.
3: Thank you, Rachel and Sarah.
1: Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend.
0: Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, It's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.